welcome to Surviving on Wine and Cuss Words. I'm Emily. And I'm Charlotte. Um, quick warning before we get started for discussions of childhood sexual assault, sexual abuse, sexual violence, and discussions of uh, just general overall uh, awfulness. And awfulness. <laughs> yes. Trigger um, warning. So just keep that in mind before you continue on with this episode. But before we get into all that, I just want to start off... With a little bit of a palate cleanser, why don't you tell me about your week? Mm. Why don't you tell the people why we have these beautiful balloons? balloons? It was my birthday yesterday, and you're never too old for balloons. Never too old for balloons. We had dinner, and Emily brought a big pile of balloons into the into the restaurant, so they're back here. <laughs> Not that I want to remember 51 forever, but oh, there they are. <laughs> balloons in my face yeah but yes i i had a a great birthday dinner good let's let's move them just a little (laughs) yeah maybe so we don't hear the balloon rubbing the whole time there we go i think they're good did you get anything for your birthday that you liked i got some wine Ooh. Got some wine. Speaking of wine, what are you drinking? Well, what I'm drinking tonight, I finally found the unshackled Pinot Noir. I've been waiting on that one. And we haven't had it here. Um, and they just got it in and it's a good thing when you're on the text message chain of your local liquor store because they <laughs> let you know it's in. And we went to pick some up and it's actually very good. Mm. Nice. Mm-hmm. I would be joining you if I wasn't um, on that night shift li- mm-hmm. life. Uh, <laughs> it is like six in the morning for me. <laughs> right. So we here we so are I'm again with wine coffee. and coffee. Whoop, whoop. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the way it is. You'll get used to it. Yeah. At least definitely. it's not swing shift. Yeah. Mine's a swing shift life. So every other week you're trying to recover from days or trying to recover from nights. At least for a while you're going to be on straight nights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, I'm happy about that. Can't complain. I'm here to support you. Yeah. Well, I guess let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, where we left off last episode, we were kind of going into the trial and talking about what we experienced through um, the legal system as we pursued charges against my abuser. Um, and we hadn't actually made it to the trial yet. We're kind right. of talking about all the events that led up. To the trial the so court system yesterday we discussed or last episode we discussed the preliminary hearing mm-hmm. which was kind of the first time i ever had to face my dad in court mm-hmm. um i figured we'd get into everything between the preliminary hearing uh leading up to the trial and kind of why it was such a hard process for us and what our decisions were and our thought processes were as the years crawled on you know the years crawled on we were just sitting here a minute ago looking at your journal and you said something about uh an entry you had when you were still in high school and I was like you were still in high school when this started and Mm -hmm. then you were in college when it ended so it was my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college was in the trial yeah was all part of the trial and then it wasn't until like halfway through my sophomore year that we actually got through the sentencing and and it Mm -hmm. was it was done with finally Mm um i was uh just reading through one of my journal entries and one of them was 
during my senior year how I just really, really wanted the trial to be over before I went to college so that I didn't have to worry about the trial while I was in college. And so obviously that's not what happened. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we persisted. We got through it. And it's not impossible, even when it doesn't go your way. So um, we're just going to talk about that. that's a big part of what we're here for is to let you know no matter which direction you branch off, it's okay and and you're going to get through it and we're here to help and right. just to share our story. So we talked about the preliminary hearing. Mom, I was hoping what came to my head um, after talking about the preliminary hearing was the civil court that we went through as well. Oh, with the restraining order? Yeah. You know, I thought about that today, too, when I was walking. Yeah. And I thought, when did I do that and why? But I did it, and he came in the orange jumpsuit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he came in person. I was trying to think to myself, why did I file a restraining order at that point? And that was the only thing I could think of was simply because... um, We didn't know if he was going to get out. Right. He still had, you know. A bail option. Right. And so I think what, one thing that mom did after the preliminary hearing was take the evidence from the preliminary hearing and make sure that his custody was revoked. Yes. So that he couldn't bail out and say, well, it's my day. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because legally, you know, it would have been. I had to change it legally because, yeah, if he did, there were things that I needed to change because... He was in jail, and and his responsibilities were falling by the wayside, and some of those were still attached to me. So mm-hmm. I had to clean up some loose ends very, very early in the beginning. And the restraining order, of course, came from uh, someone suggesting it, um, the lawyer suggesting that we do it simply because he owned firearms. Right. He's, uh, you know, we don't know his mental state. We don't know if he gets out what his mental state would be. We knew, or I had been told, I guess, that he could uh, leverage his house, you know, oh, get to loans get yeah. and things like that. And there you were just need ways to, protect to get yourself. the money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was, that was a weird day because we did stand in family court. And he was there. And he was there. Uh, I think he defended himself, or he was mm-hmm. his own representation that day, and we asked for the restraining order, and it was approved. We mm-hmm. got the restraining order, and there were things in there, like you said, that, that had to do with uh, calling. I, I didn't want him calling. You know, right, you can't call. You can't, you know, I just, I wanted all ties cut because I right. knew he was going to try to talk you out because of I what you Because I think there were done. some protections for me because I was the victim in the case, but there were no protections against my brother. You know, there was nothing, there was no reason that he was, you know, legally blocked from talking to us. So Mm -hmm. that was one thing we did pursue was to get that restraining order Mm -hmm. just in case. Um, But that was another instance where, you know, up close by the judge, I got to sit back in the pews i didn't have to go up there yeah but i think you did yeah me and my lawyer but you know there are very selective memories sometimes and unhappy memories i tend to put in the back Mm 
of what I care to remember. And that one just popped up today for some reason. Mm -hmm. So it, it wasn't a pleasant memory, but I don't remember a lot of details. I remember him speaking for himself. And I remember us just going through the reasons we wanted it and we got it. Um, it was just, you know, I'm, the big, I'm shaking thinking about it. I'm sure I was standing up there shaking as well. You know. So I think the reason that I remember it so clearly is because when he came walking down the aisle in the courtroom, we made eye contact. Because he like, didn't come from and the I back. Like, yeah, and I like smiled at him. And I remember being like, why did I just smile at him? But it was just like, mm-hmm. oh, it's my dad. Like, hey, yeah. what's up? Yeah. And then I'm like, damn, fuck. What mm-hmm. the hell? <laughs> So well, it, it's so weird. It's a lifetime it's, of it's so confusing. Yeah, you know, to your body. Yeah, your body smiled. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I understand. I mean, there were plenty of things that I thought, "What are you thinking?" You know, there were times that I would go into my own head and start feeling bad. Like what the actual fuck? What yeah. What are you feeling bad for? Because as an empath, a complete empath. There were times where I could compartmentalize. I had to. And and I saw a human, individual, man, person, who was taken away from their family, locked up into prison. And that, that automatically invoked this, I put myself in how someone else feels and right. how sad he must have been or how angry or whatever. And, and, mm-hmm. it, and you get these brief moments of, Oh, and then flick yourself and why are you saying oh you know this is no you know that that's the shitty part about being an empath you put yourself in good people's positions bad people's positions you take on all the feelings and that's a shitty part about it right but i've learned to deal with it which is why i was asking you about forgiveness because when i thought about that and we'll do this whole thing came down that you know what when am i am i ever going to be able to forgive Mm-hmm. You know, we talked last time about how Rebecca, the counselor, had said, no matter what, no matter what, there's not a single feeling that you're feeling that's invalid or wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the feelings that I was feeling, I felt were wrong, you know, and, and I was confused about some of them because I told her one day, I said, I feel like I'm grieving. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've been at a funeral, Yeah, you know, through this arduous process we continued the therapy and and she said that's because you are grieving you're grieving because your daughter lost her childhood you lost your childhood daughter you are grieving you know and yeah and because believe it or not like you're never gonna look at me the same right i like, mean there was just this thing that fundamentally changed mm-hmm. and it was a it, it was a loss mm-hmm. it was a loss so there are plenty of feelings to process no matter where you are in the uh, in the process yourself, there there are so many feelings that you have to deal with, and and that's one, what we're here to. One thing talk that about. I saw, kind of reviewing journal entries from this time period in my life, was that I was really struggling with missing my dad. Like mm-hmm. I missed him a whole lot because, you know, as he was my abuser, but then he was also my dad. Mm-hmm. And so you go through things, you know, the senior year. gone. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so it almost felt like losing a parent. Like you, you did lose a parent. Right. You haven't. And Alex hasn't seen him 
since since the, the day, day before. he was arrested. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's been a. I mean, except in court or yeah, you know, you haven't talked to him or seen him. And since so, then, you like, did lose a parent. I just lost my dad, and that was that was kind of crazy to me because you think about. You know, somebody you've known since you were, since before you can make memories, you know, always been there, essentially. Um, you know, I was a senior in high school thinking about, oh, my God, like, my dad's not going to be at my graduation. Because we talked about it last time what? again, compartmentalizing. In order to survive these instances, everyone does different things. Some people repress the memories. Some people... They have all sorts of defense mechanisms and compartmentalizing them is one. And you had a compartment where this was your dad Mm -hmm. and you had a compartment where this was your abuser. Right. And the compartment where this was your dad, the person who would be at your high school graduation, the person who would walk you down the aisle when you got married, the the dad was gone. Yeah. So that whole compartment was empty. Mm-hmm. And and of course, there's going to be feelings of sadness there. Yeah. And then it rolls around with the feelings of guilt because then you've got the abuser compartment. You know, it mm-hmm. just why am I feeling sad? But it you have to process those feelings. You Absolutely. really do. You know, it's 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 not a quick process or an easy process. But so after the preliminary hearing and uh, it goes to a grand jury, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Grand jury oh, indicted. Meant to look at the charges. I Well, I know what it was. I, I looked them up and it's on my phone right now. It's aggravated sexual battery, which was the gun, the young one, the, the highest. Mm-hmm. Then there were four counts of statutory rape by an authority figure. Okay. So when you took away the four incest, there were five charges total. Okay. Yeah. But in the beginning, nine you know, we went through almost the whole court process with nine. It was very close to the trial before they dropped the four incest. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we went to trial with five charges. Okay. But they indicted on nine, which meant the grand jury said, these nine things fit with what you've told us. So he's going to be charged with these nine things. Right. And that process started, you know, a whirlwind of emotions and a whirlwind of me trying to figure out how to make things better, e- even just on the surface. You know, we we went through, we were going through the trial, and I get this grand idea that we need to move out of the house. Mm-hmm. We need to buy a new house because that house held all the memories. Yeah, that, that had been the house that we grew up in when my parents were married. And, you know, I made that decision thinking this is going to be an absolutely wonderful start for all of us, a fresh start. And then Alex, you know, he, he's trying to process all of this too. Yeah. You know, he just tears me a new one about how you took me away from my childhood. The only home I'd ever known, Mm -hmm. the only home I ever knew. And you put me here and I didn't ask for this. And yeah. And I think that kind of goes back to what we talked about in the first episode where you wanted to get away and me and Alex wanted to cling on to normalcy. Right. Right. And I just thought that was the best thing. And stress moving yeah, is moving stressful, stressful yeah. enough. And there I was saying, let's just go buy a house and move. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we did it. And, and I'm glad we did it. I, I wouldn't have wanted to stay no, there. I'm, I I'm very either. sorry that, that I 
sprung it on you guys and, and said, we're doing this whether you like it or not. I didn't say that because nobody really objected in the beginning. Right. It was act- actually after we moved when people were not in their norm. Well, I think, well, yeah, like we moved and... And it was nice, you know, we had been in a smaller home and it was so nice to be in a bigger home, but in some ways we're spread out from each mm-hmm. other. You well, know, we're even more apart than we were before. Mm-hmm. And then things feel weird because it's not our home and God, things keep changing. They just keep changing. Yeah. What is happening? And the phone calls come and the texts come about court and about the things that are happening. We talked about it last time. Everything was so discouraging because Mm -hmm. it just seemed like it was never going to go our way. Yeah. You know, what do you mean? We talked just a minute ago about how here you are in your senior year, in your senior year thinking by summer, this will all be done. Right. And January of your senior year, it it became evident this is... This is not going to happen in the time period we want it to happen. Yeah, this is not going to happen before I go to college. Never, ever thought you would have to go to college while this was still open. Yeah. Uh, Between, I don't, you know, the the motion to sever the charges, the motion to not admit prior bad acts, you know, things like that kill me. Right. I hear it on, like, when I listen to Morbid, they talk about some of these uh, true crime things Mm -hmm. where there's this person who murdered 17 women right. and cut their heads off and murders one and gets caught for it, but the jury's not allowed to hear that he murdered the other 17. Right. That is so relevant. I just don't understand how that's a thing. Right. But that was part of it, too. There was a motion to not admit prior bad acts, and what that was trying to, to keep out was... See, it all comes full circle when you start to remember, Mm -hmm. was the restraining order. Uh, Because the restraining order listed all the things that he was accused of. And mm -hmm. then he signed it saying, yes, I agree. I did this. this, And that's what they were trying to keep out. That was it. He was, this is civil. These Mm -hmm. are the things we're going to list. Right. He signs it. Then he's pretty much already said I did these these things. Mm -hmm. And so they tried to get that not admitted. And they tried to get the severance where, you know, like you said. Can you, can we go into detail about mm -hmm. the severance? Mm -hmm. Go ahead and explain kind of what that means of what the defense wanted with that and kind of how that wasn't appropriate for our trial. For our trial, definitely not because you have a history of grooming. Okay. It it is going to be, it is going to become clearly evident to anyone who listens to this, that he was trying to replace me. So there was this period of grooming, and the, and the underlying part of the grooming was convincing you this was normal, mm-hmm. number one. Number two, that you two were the only ones that knew. Right. You know, it was a secret to keep. Mm-hmm. It was a secret. But if you were to hear the charge when you were nine, the charge when you were 12, 13, 14, mm-hmm. 15. Together, it's like a jigsaw puzzle that tells you where the pieces go. Right. It's it like, reveals a bigger picture. Holy crap. Yeah. First of all, the robe. You look just like your mom, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and it just all starts and you see this huge forest. You're up high and you see this force, which is very detrimental for the defense mm-hmm. because it's okay. This one jury sees this forest mm-hmm. and says guilty. 
Yeah. So their idea was we need one jury to see this. And and then we probably won't get the maximum sentence. Mm-hmm. Probably be guilty, because it would the just maximum. look like one, one in, off instance, and then a whole nother jury, jury selection, the whole other issue to hear this one, mm-hmm. a whole nother jury to hear this one. And the the idea and the rolling the dice by the defense, in my opinion, no one ever said this to me, but it's the only thing that's logical, is that each one individually, if he were found guilty would result in lesser time. Mm-hmm. When you add all five of them together and you're studying the whole case together, that the sickness and the illness of the grooming is what was shown. Mm-hmm. And they were trying like crazy to get that out, to get that out. And I was, I was, I almost thought they were going to. Mm-hmm. I almost thought because we went in for a couple of court Which, dates. Which, you know, emotionally would have meant two different trials. Five. Five different trials five for different me. Trials. So five I, different jury selections, five different times that you had to testify. And they knew that. That was another underhanded act by to the defense. To us. To, to say, you know, you get past the first two maybe and you say, that's it, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Yeah, I'd just, like to go on with my life, please. Yeah, right. because they could have drugged this out. Because forever. he's just sitting in jail. He doesn't care mm-hmm. to come mm-hmm. in, you know. It gets him out. Over gets him and out over. of the sale. Yeah, it's a fun day for him. <laughs> I think they might even give you a sandwich when you're back yeah, in the back. Or something, I don't know. Yeah, you know. I don't know that. But anyway, yeah, it, it, it was only to benefit the defense, which is like you said last time, when we started that, that's where it went to defense Mm -hmm. it's all about the defense and making sure that all of his rights are are not trampled on exactly and so we got to the day the judge was supposed to rule you were in college by this point i think he was supposed to rule on the severance and he comes up and he says i mean it's probably been three months since the last court date and he says well i haven't had a chance to look at it i haven't made my decision Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my gosh! You know, you have and one you job. Just, you just can't rule help on that. Rule. Just, I know, but at the time, and I'm sure I drove all the way, you know, an hour and a half from college to be there, and mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. things like that can really, really start to get get to you. They do, and I it 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 makes you not want to continue. One thing I would like to talk about in this episode is kind of physically how it affected us on court dates. Can we talk about that a little bit? You can talk about what you experienced when you knew a court date was coming up, and I'll kind of talk about mine. Oh, you can go ahead. You okay. can start, sure. So I for mean... me, uh, it I would have, like, nightmares and, like, horrible mm-hmm. sleep the night before a court date. And then when I knew a court date was coming, it all happened after that severance. Right. Um, well. That I would just start getting like physically ill mm-hmm. when I knew I had a court date. I remember for the severance hearing, mm-hmm. the, I needed to testify. That's mm-hmm. what it was. That's mm-hmm. why I had to be there. So when I had to go to court, I knew that it was coming just because my body really like physically was ill. Mm-hmm. During the severance, I had to testify. They had to show evidence to the judge Mm-hmm. that the that what happened when I was nine and what happened when I was 12 and what happened when I was 16, like all of that was tied together. Yeah. Because you had never to that point had to go into as much detail as you did 
for that hearing. Right. Because the preliminary hearing, he only needed to hear a few a little bit, things. Yeah. Like a okay, couple this, sentences. This. Yeah. No, this was going to be, you know, the first time that there were super detailed questions about each instance that they were bringing charges against. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was super scary. I remember they, I wasn't allowed to go in there. Until they called you. And they called mm-hmm. my name. The bailiff came out and I like panicked and I like ran to the bathroom or something. Probably. And you came in there with me. She had to call my name twice. She had to. Every time you testified with the exception of the actual trial, it was an open court. So, you -hmm. know, there were. Again, people in there we didn't know, people waiting for their name to be called on the docket. So it was 10 times worse than just having to tell the story to anybody. Right. You know, that I know there were several times we had to recover you from the bathroom, but the judge always kept that in mind. He knew that you're a 16, 17 year old girl who's having to come in here and do this stuff. So it was really hard. I remember the bailiff. Like having to walk me to the stand. stand. Like I physically just couldn't walk. She was like pushing me down the aisle. She was mm-hmm. like, we can't wait anymore. Like you have to come now. And the only thing I could do, because I couldn't be up there with you. Yeah, the because you were a witness at the time. Like, well, no. In all the preliminary stuff, in all the trial, I could be, I was in the courtroom. Oh. But, and it was, you know, Leslie and I, the assistant district attorney, you look at us. You make eye contact with us. Right. We are your support. I sat right in the front row, right behind her, looking around heads like, here I am. Mm-hmm. You know, look at me. You don't have to look there. You don't have to look at him. It's all good. I remember the judge would have a really hard time hearing me because I would use the microphone to, bl- he was right here. He was at this table over here on the left side, if I was sitting right here. And I would use the microphone to, like, cover his face mm-hmm. in my peripheral vision so that I couldn't see him. And then they, he'd be like, I can't hear you because the microphone would be here. And I'd be, like, kind of using mm-hmm. it. And I'd be like, and I wouldn't want to turn my head this way because then I could see him mm-hmm. out of this eye. And so it was just those little things that you do to protect yourself. And then, yeah, I just started getting sick, like very sick on trial days. Mm-hmm. So why don't you kind of talk about your experience for uh, court dates? Mine, well, I mean, I'm an anxious person anyway, you know that. Yes. So I was <laughs> very, very, I was always super anxious leading up to, you know, got a court date, got a court date, no matter what it was, whether you had to testify or whether I was just there by myself to hear what was going on. And I have a body full of tattoos Mm -hmm. because when I would leave a particularly harsh day where I really felt like we weren't heard or I really felt like like it might not go it might not go our way I would go into the tattoo shop and just say I don't care what you do I don't care where you do it I just I need this which I again wouldn't recommend without consulting a therapist because that's just a it's just a controlled form of cutting it's like I needed to feel something other than how shitty I felt when I left the courtroom Mm -hmm. so I got in that I got in that arena 
you know, I didn't, it, none of them were to celebrate except for the end, the one that we have together, the warrior, mm-hmm. you know, that tattoo was to celebrate. We actually got that after the preliminary hearing. We got it very early or because like, uh, the after, they, hearing, yeah. after they ruled that it was not going to. So yeah, moving on, like once mm-hmm. we had the severance hearing, he did, the judge did end up ruling that all of the charges And would this be was the day. This was the day, and we are a year and a half into it. Yeah, I'm in college now. And we are sitting in the courtroom, me and you. You didn't have to testify this day. This was supposed to be another one of the, he's going to give his ruling. He gave his ruling, and when he spoke for the first time in a year and a half, I felt like he was not being bamboozled. Mm -hmm. He saw, for real, saw. He, He wasn't. He wasn't being tricked or manipulated Mm -hmm. because he made a statement. And the statement he made was, we were sitting together and I had my arm around you. And he looked at us and he said, it is clear to me, this is a grooming situation. I mean, he said, you can look at mother and daughter. They look alike. They act alike. He said... I find her to be an extreme, Emily, to be an extremely credible witness. I see that this pattern started and would never have escalated without the pattern. We're going to hear this all in one trial. Mm-hmm. One jury's going to hear every charge. And that day when he made those statements, oh, he saw us. He has seen us. Mm-hmm. He has been watching us the whole time. And you just don't know it because the rulings of he has to remain impartial. Oh, my gosh. But that day when he made that ruling, which on the day you make the ruling, you don't have to remain impartial. On the day you make the ruling, you say, this is the ruling I make and this is why. Mm -hmm. And he said why. He said, because it's obvious there is a pattern. There is a pattern of grooming and Mm -hmm. aggressive, escalating aggression. And you can't deny it. One trial, mm-hmm. and that that made me happy. That yeah. was a good day. I'm sure, I'm sure I made a Facebook post with, I think it was the if you ck wine that I toasted that night. You know this this was our win today. Mm-hmm. This was this was Emily going above and beyond with anything we ever thought she would have to do, and and getting us a win. It was Emily getting us a win. He might have seen us together. He saw how we acted. He saw, you know, that the, you look at me, you watch me, and so did everybody else. Stupid ass defense saw it too. And mm-hmm. once we get to the trial, we'll get into why I said that. But, you know, it was clear that you you had a support system, and so, they were going to pull that support system down. Right. So the severance is not granted. Mm-mm. And we are moving on to trial. Severance is not granted. And they say, when do you want to go to trial? court date. And we sat there in joy and happiness and said, well, her finals will be over with this day. You know, by December 12th, let's, mm-hmm. you know, she'll be done with finals. She'll be home for Christmas break. Perfect that, week yeah, to I do it. Yeah, I wouldn't have to leave, miss any school. It was going to be perfect. It was great. And we were la, 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 singing along, rolling along. And then we get the message about a week before the trial was supposed to start, that it won't happen. Mm-hmm. And and your mom and I, I mean, Nanny and I, my mom, mm-hmm. joke about this a lot because the judge said 
we're not starting a trial December 12th because that would be unfair to the jurors mm-hmm. because they're they're sworn in on a two-week basis. Oh, yeah. So and he Christ- said, that's too close to Christmas. And, and we looked at each other and said, damn it. Christmas was on the 25th this year and nobody told us. Yeah. You know, it's like, you knew that yeah. two weeks ago, a month ago, four years ago, it's going to be on the 25th. Why would you set a court date, a trial date for December 12th, and then just come up on the 12th and say, ah, it's too close and to Christmas. And it could be that as, you know, time marched on, he realized how in-depth this trial was going to be. Maybe. How much evidence we had because they ended up, you know, there was a lot of evidence admitted in the trial that I didn't see until the day of the trial. Right. You know, his cell phone. Um, yeah. His friend came and testified. She didn't come willingly. Yeah. But, you know, it 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 was it was tragic to hear this perfect date that we've said is not there. Mm-hmm. But we went through that. We got through that. We pushed through that. We had a, another trial uh, court date set for... For January mm-hmm. and January middle of January we got in there and this was simply to set a trial date right and we get in there in January and they actually threw out the date of your spring break mm. and I'm like don't get too excited because if the defense sees you getting excited they're gonna say eh, I don't know you know because they've done it before right and they set the trial date to begin in March on your spring break. Yeah. Again, Perfect. wouldn't have had to miss any school. Perfect. And again, they said, no, nah, we're not ready. <laughs> we're not ready. And that was very discouraging mm-hmm. because, yeah, that was just very yeah, discouraging. Yeah, just at this point kind of feels like they're playing games. Yeah. yeah. And you're in your second semester of your first year at school mm-hmm. and in college. So yeah. we're already to the two-year mark. Yeah. We think we've got a trial and we don't. And they push it back again. Not ready. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they when they started talking about when it would actually be, I played a little something, something with them because I was afraid if if I said this is a great week, they would pick the week after mm-hmm. or the next week. So I kind of stayed back and just didn't, and didn't say. say anything. And at first, he chose the week of your finals, mm-hmm. of your finals. And I kept my mouth shut. I said, it's great. We're good. Next thing you know, I'm getting a message saying, no, they can't do it then. It's going to be the next week. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what they were trying to do. And it could have been, it felt personal. I'm sure it wasn't, but it felt yeah. personal. It felt like every time we had a perfect date, they weren't ready. Yeah, because we were also rearranging our lives to be there. Yeah. Me and you were both legally subpoenaed. Every time. Yeah. So, you know, we had to be there. Any in in any case that we could be called to, to be asked a question, mm-hmm. so they settled on a date, and and there it was, and and we finally had it in April, and it was during my finals. It was the week before, wasn't it? You had like one final, and then the rest of the week was like what did they call it? Cram, cram week or something? Yeah. So it did end up being the week before finals, mm-hmm. but. It was really spoiler alert. I missed one of them. You still because I had to go to the off in both, yeah, school and the court. And you know this this was and and to to judge and to to give you a little insight about how frustrating all this scheduling stuff was. We got the deal 
in December after after he made the ruling that it would be one trial after they set it for December 12th mm-hmm. they made a deal they said we're 12 years minimum of nine served yeah they offered what that do you us. think and and after the rug being pulled out discouragement you know it's not going to start but here's a deal you said I'm done I want to get on with my life. Mm-hmm. 12 years is good. I was tired of having to leave school. Mm-hmm. That sucked. I was trying to make friends. I was trying to stay there. Right. And I told Leslie, I said, take it. She, We've done what we can do. And nine years served, 12-year sentence, we'll take it. And that was another <laughs> rug pulled because we all had to go to court that day in December because it was all going to be signed. Yeah, that was going to, we were going to take it. It was nine years. We had finally decided we're done with this trial. He was going to stand up and say, I did this, 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 this is the punishment I accept. Sign the papers. That's it. We're done. And we got to court that day and he changed his mind. He said, no, never mind. Never mind. I want my opportunity to stand in front of a jury of my peers and And not tell them that I didn't do it. Tell them why it wasn't wrong. Right. She's a whole nother episode. <laughs> I mean, so we actually did get to the point where we told the district attorney we did, to take we? it. I and almost forgot about that. I guess I put that out of my head that yeah. I was even to that point that I was ready to take a plea Because it was so hard. And yeah. and the, your back and forth was hard. All of it was hard. And, and we said yes. And we got to court. He said, no, I'm not doing it. Oh, my God. But yeah, we he, he would do that stuff all mm-hmm. the time. That was that was mm-hmm. his game. And and when we get to the trial episode, you know, he he absolutely um, continued games. playing games like that. Um, all right, leading up to the trial, I'm trying to think. Um, we had to meet with the district attorney to prepare for the trial. Do you remember the day that we sat in her office and wrote the whole timeline on that whiteboard? Yeah. Because we had to get the timeline straight um, so and that she was clear on when everything happened from your perspective. She was clear on when everything happened from my perspective. And it was just hours of like going through these awful details. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, and it was then terrible. The, um, the fact that she would write a da- I mean literally on this whiteboard drew a line and these are the years and these are the days and these are the months and she would point to something and say how do you know this happened then well because that was a day that I had had a party with some friends and he didn't want me to go to that or, or mm-hmm. whatever you know these details that and she would grill us on the details of why why do you know this happened then because well, it because was Thanksgiving yeah. Thanksgiving or his birthday or whatever mm-hmm. And we did do that. And that day, you were you were in a terrible mood that day. You were in a terrible mood. <laughs> I wonder why. But I, I can tell you, she <laughs> stuck you in her office while she and I went through mm. my timeline in the conference room. She stuck you in her office to watch the forensic interview. Yes. She wanted you to watch that interview. And I, I just... And just to know like what I had said so that... When the defense questioned me, mm-hmm. I knew what I had testified to, which already. was the truth. But um, they didn't want one to trip thing you that up. I had to watch was my forensic interview from when I was thirteen, because they were going to say, "Why'd you lie?" 
So which one were you lying in? And, right. And, and so one th- that was really hard to do to watch. You know, I'm probably 18 at that time. You know, watching my little 13 year old self like, you know, defend him so hardcore. That was oh, that was so terrible to watch. It's mm-hmm. so hard to watch. Um, that's why you were in a bad mood. And I had to. <laughs> I mean, and I, and you know, I had to sit there and be prepared that the defense was, was going to grill me on this because she didn't want you to say, I don't know if they came up and said, why did you say X, Y, Z when you were 13, but ABC when you were 16 and, and you'd be like, I don't remember saying that, but Mm -hmm. though she wanted you to see what you said and the things you said in those to get us prepared for it. And you know, it, it was a, it was a long day. It was a long day. And that was like two days before. Mm. And we'll get into more of the children's advocacy center side of this Mm -hmm. in the future. But Rebecca, our counselor throughout this whole thing, when you turned 18, this is the children's advocacy center. She had to let us go because mm-hmm. this was a service for children. So when you turned 18 in August, before you went to college, we were no longer her clients. We had to move to another therapist, but yeah. we loved her and I loved what she did for us. And right before the trial, the day after the DA was preparing us, I called her and she said, you know what? She said, I'm going to see this through to the end. You guys come and see me. And we went to see her the night before the trial so that she could help us. And I remember, oh, I've got my picture in there in the china cabinet. I couldn't, I really couldn't talk about my feelings. They were so, there were so many emotions. Mm -hmm. And she said, draw it. Draw what you're feeling. And, And there's this picture, this elementary picture of this beautiful landscape across a bridge. And then it's like we're at the edge of the bridge mm-hmm. and we are about to step across. Yeah. And we can do, and she, well, you know, we left her office. She pretty much didn't say anything other than you can do it. Mm-hmm. Look, she, she took the last two years and said, look what you've done. Mm-hmm. Look where you've come and, and, and what you've come through. Tomorrow you can do it. And in preparation for this trial, you know, I'm going to therapy and part of the therapy, the process is to like write out everything that happened to you. And so that took, you know, months. I had this like journal and we would do it for like 15 minutes every session. I would like continue writing Mm -hmm. what had happened to me. The details. Yeah. And then she threw away the book. Great. So, I mean, you know, I say great. Yeah, the only way is through, mm-hmm. you know. And I, w- I remember thinking, God, this is so fucking stupid. <laughs> I don't want to do this. You know, there were things. There was one day I went and talked to her again. We'll talk later about him. But I went and talked to her, and I could not, physically could not get out the words of what I was trying to say. And she was good about this drawing therapy. You know, she was used to treating kids. Little kids. And there she was. Handing me crayons and a piece of paper and said, draw what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And I just, it's like the art, the most artistic crap that had ever left my body flowed out. And I was like, this is it. I'm, I'm here on this cloud and it's surreal. And this cloud's got me surrounded. And, 
and I, I have no control of what's going on down below. And, and one day the cloud's going to be thin and it's just going to drop me. And there were these feelings that came out in this art. Art therapy is great. Mm-hmm. Shout out to art therapy. Shout out art therapists. For real. So, you know, we, we finally got up to the trial. We got up to, here we go. Um, and, and we're going to get into it. And, and that was a hard week too. Yeah. Prepping for the trial was really hard. We got a date set and, you know, with how much things have been changing, I'm like, God, at what point do I go tell my professors? Because, you know, the date had been hopping all over the place. And, um, I, at this time I'm going for my bachelor's in chemical engineering. So, uh, I've done most of my prereqs. So I'm, I'm with, you know, people who are doctorates of chemical engineers, they're not therapists. They're Mm not, um, you know, people, people, that's Mm -hmm. all I'm going to say. Um, and so I remember being so nervous walking into my professor's office and I, and handing her the subpoena and my hands are shaking and she looks at the subpoena and she hands it back to me and she says, okay, well, if you can't be here for the makeup final, then you can take an incomplete in the class. And like my heart dropped and I was like, really? I can't just like do, I can't do some, you know, I, I, you know, I had, I I think I had a 99 (laughs) in the class at the time. Like it was really just ridiculously Mm -hmm. high. Um, and I just did not want to do that. I was tired of, you know, having to change my life because of this trial. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I ended up driving back for a day like for a couple hours to take an oral final in her office so that I didn't have to take a complete while the trial was going on. I drove back like real quick for a day. Possibly. Maybe after the jury selection because mm-hmm. the day of jury selection, that was a lot of waiting and they said it's too late in the afternoon to start anything. So yeah. we won't start till tomorrow. I, I don't remember because you and I weren't supposed to see each other. We weren't supposed to be talking about We weren't about supposed to be trial. talking to each other. Yeah. At the time, because About we were the trial. Yeah, we were witnesses. Mm-hmm. I mean, because they said, you know, our DAs said, Judge, I mean, their mother, daughter, son. Did Alex testify? No, he didn't. Okay. He never did. They, they can be trusted not to talk about the trial. And so he didn't make us sequester. He didn't make us go get a hotel apart, room or yeah. live apart for that week. But... I'm sure, you know, you did what you had to do because, like I said, you you rocked both of them, the trial and the final. Mm-hmm. So it can be done. It can be done. And, and if we're going to keep down this trail, then next time we can just go straight into the trial. Yeah, is there anything else that was? you kind of want to <laughs> set up about our legal experience moving up to the trial? It was just a lot of, like, trying to wrangle in our mental health yeah. while – being strong enough to like continue and being objective enough to continue on with the trial. Mm-hmm. You know, I said last time there was only one day, one day that I was alone in court and that was the day it snowed that nanny couldn't make it over. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the most part, somebody was always there with me, right? You or nanny or somebody. Sorry about that. Um, but I think that's pretty much all we had, you know, to talk about before we, um, get ready to kind of talk about what we experienced in the trial. Yeah, just just some of the ins and outs and ups and downs. And, and the only word of wisdom I would leave would be if you're in that process, no matter how 
shitty you feel like nothing's going your way, trust it, trust it. Just because the favor they did us by granting him all the motions and all the things that they had to explore and try to do, the favor they did us was he was not able to come back and say, I didn't get a chance to do this or I didn't get a chance to do that. They did us that favor. It's hard to see at the time. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to see at the time. But, you know, when, when you go through every possible request, you know, you can think of as a defense and it gets, there's a hearing and a ruling on it. Yeah. You know, the only thing you, you um, just, you, you keep going as I hard as I think the important thing is just, uh, you know, take care of yourself. Um, you know, really keep Always. an eye on your mental health. Do what you need, you know, just because... Just because you didn't want to testify doesn't mean it didn't happen. True. Because there are a lot of barriers to getting up in front of, you know, even financially. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think about how many days we took off work mm -hmm. just to be there. I mean, there are just so many situations that would lead people not to be able I mean, to I got, do this. I, I it it is not an easy process it is not a process that's um cohesive to honestly good healing mm -mm. you know because you're reliving this moment all the time and so we are going to go into the trial on the next episode we actually have the trial transcript um that we are going to be reading excerpts from to kind of explain what was experienced we'll hope to hopefully get it done in one episode i don't think i want to break that up um but it's it'll 400 and something pages well we'll pull out the, <laughs> we'll go through and pull out you know important parts that we want to talk about yeah. um mom do you have any parting words for these beautiful people for the rest of their week the beautiful people i hope have a beautiful week um smile if you're in this, if you are in this or thinking about being in this, we are here for you. Surviving on wine and cuss words at gmail.com. We'll give you any words of advice you want. We'll give you any help you want. We even will... if there's just somebody, even if it's just something you've experienced that you've never told somebody like, please just send us a message if mm -hmm. you feel comfortable just telling us. I mean, we won't tell anybody. We're not. But no. just to know that, you know, you got it out there and there's somebody out there thinking about you and empathizing with you as another survivor. Um, you know, so please feel free to reach out. Please leave comments, leave a like uh, if you're watching <laughs> on YouTube, just because I love seeing that people are still watching this and still listening and still enjoying appreciating um these episodes uh new episodes every tuesday at noon um that's kind of when we're going to be posting for now on uh, we also have a website surviving on wine and cuss words dot com um mm -hmm. it's a lot of stuff but it has these episodes on it and we'll yeah. very soon have the podcast link on it yeah where you can just listen to the audio yeah. without having to go on youtube but um, I just love seeing the interactions, and I hope that this is helpful to you It's you guys. helpful to somebody because one in ten, one in ten children suffer some form 
of child abuse. Right. That's a huge number. Uh, I think it's higher than that. Um, the statistics last I've seen is that it was one in four boys and one in three girls. Okay, it's way higher than I thought then. Yeah. Yeah. Which we can go into in another yeah, time. But we're going to fact check that. Somebody. But from mental, like um, last I saw, that was one thing that like the therapist said is that, yeah, one in three girls before the age of 18 will experience sexual abuse. And so that's childhood sexual abuse because they're under the age of 18. Right. So um, maybe I was thinking by an authority figure. Maybe. I don't know. We'll do the fact check. We'll look at it. We'll yeah, have we'll the look, transcripts next time. And, and, some... and we'll kind of go into... Uh, legal aspects after that we are actually looking to have a guest we're going to have my boyfriend on the podcast to kind of talk about his experience um as a friend of mine growing up kind of what he saw and what he noticed he's uh actually going to school for therapy counseling so you know he he'd be a great person to have on an episode where i might cry (laughs) (laughs) And we love to have him here. We can't wait. And and you guys will love him too. Um, call us. Okay. You know. <laughs> call it. Give call us, us a ring. Write us. Email us. <laughs> yes. Comment. Surviving because... on wine and cuss words at gmail.com. Surviving on wine and cuss words.com. Um, check us out help. on YouTube, Instagram. Uh, we did start an Instagram just to post pictures, yes, I guess. Like, like little selfies on the day that we sure. do the recordings, you know, sure. because that lets people know that we're here yeah and if you know anyone i mean yeah we're here to help we're here to help all right guys it's gonna be great have a wonderful week and we will see you next tuesday (coughs) sorry all right see you next tuesday cheers bye